I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. Baselayer is sponsored by Diginex and by its digital asset exchange, Equas. As an exchange, Equas is focused on delivering innovative product compliance, fairness, and most importantly, trust. In a time when institutional investors are beginning to seriously review digital assets for their portfolio, these are key elements necessary to build bridges to new investors. Equas currently provides digital asset spot trading and perpetual futures, and plans to soon offer dated futures and options. Parent company Diginex also provides capital markets advisory, asset management, and custody. To check them out, you can go to diginex.com and equas.io. That is E-Q-U-O-S.io. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer, and it's going to be a really good one, guys and girls. I have Sam Kazmian with me today. Sam is the founder at Frax, but you may have heard of him and his team before because he's also the co-founder at Everpedia. Sam, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Looking forward to this. We've had some great conversations so we're going to talk a lot about your current work and also the work that you did before that. Um, but we're going to start with your background. Um, now, as I mentioned before, co-founder at Everpedia. Some people may be familiar with something called Wikipedia, and so you can kind of play on that. What we'd like to do before we go too far down the hole of what you're doing today, especially with Frax, which is in the kind of stable coin, stable asset world, we like to talk about what you did before that. And so talk to us a little bit about your kind of entry into digital assets, into blockchain, and then talk to us a little bit about Everpedia. And then we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about Frax, which is your new project. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I actually uh, got into cryptocurrency and back then like Bitcoin and there was just altcoins in 2013 while I was at UCLA. Um, I got into it during the script and altcoin mining boom. Uh, it was really interesting. Um, and we started Everpedia in 2015 and around uh, 2017-ish when the you know big kind of ICO and DAP uh, boom kind of happened, we thought that what's really important and interesting is bringing knowledge on the blockchain, right? There's all of these uh, tokens and, and apps and, and stuff like that. And we thought, what if we bring uh, Wikipedia on the blockchain, right? Like we actually fork uh, Wikipedia and we tokenize it and we make it decentralized, uncensorable, right? All articles on Everpedia are hosted uh, through IPFS. Um, people stake tokens to edit and curate content. Um, and it's actually been you know, quite uh, successful. And actually, um, so in 2018, uh, we raised 30 million from Galaxy Digital, which is an EOS uh, VC ecosystem fund. Uh, Everpedia is one of the biggest projects on uh, EOS. 
Um, one of the things with, with the whole knowledge on the blockchain vision is uh, the thing that Repedia is actually doing now is um, we're expanding the idea of not just bringing Wikipedia necessarily on chain, which has millions of, of views and, and people are using it and trading the IQ token, which was recently uh, listed on Binance and it's going really well. But we're looking at in, in the DeFi space now um, in terms of Everpedia, we're looking at bringing different types of, of knowledge on chain. So in the kind of Oracle uh, space, what does it mean to uh, bring facts on the blockchain before we are the best uh, wiki and knowledge base that was hosted uh, on the blockchain? But what if we bring um, programmatic uh, facts and feeds that aren't just price feeds, right? Like, for example, election data or, or um, you know, sports scores or even uh, historical player data and, and things like that, that, um, you know, basically knowledge, right, as part of Everpedia's vision. So um, that's what Everpedia is working on uh, today. It's, uh, it's going really well. Um, and I think that there's, there's going to be some really cool uh, products that, that, that Everpedia is releasing in the knowledge oracle uh, space because it's very in, uh, in demand in DeFi currently, um, mm -hmm. which, is, which is a huge growing field right now. Tell us how that works. So obviously for you know others out there that are learning about this world, you know, obviously I know what you're talking about, but others might not understand that. So just to give them an understanding, I'll give an example, but uh, please rebut it. Please clean it up for the messiness that may be. But effectively what you're alluding to is that within DeFi, especially now, open finance, whatever you want to call it, you have things that are being run on Ethereum um, majoritively speaking, and that with Ethereum, you have smart contracts, but within that, you need to have some sort of a verification or some sort of authenticity of the data that is going and feeding into that smart contract, i.e. if you have bad data going in, the contract could potentially be invalidated or it could be wrong or things could cascade and you know incorrect calculations could be made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the veracity of that data that goes into those smart contracts is tantamount, is so important. Is that correct? And is that kind of what you distinguished with Everpedia? Yeah, so that's that's pretty much right on. The way that I like to describe it is um, basically, if you think about blockchain and smart contracts as kind of the internet of money, right? You have all of these autonomous smart contracts that, that's basically code uh, running that manipulates value, right? So you can have code that's like, uh, you know, pay, uh, these tokens to this address over here if this or that happens, right? And there's actually fairly sophisticated, as we know, uh, you know, financial uh, code like derivatives, on-chain uh, exchanges, um, you know, prediction markets, all of these things that are very, you know, sophisticated way of saying, uh, here's some money over here, you can put it here and then it'll do X, Y, and Z depending on uh, certain events. Certain events usually have to do with the real world, right? Um, you know, if if uh, Trump wins the re-election or if there's, you know, an earthquake in, in this state, all of this stuff that we're all really familiar with, right, um, in, in the blockchain space that we know is difficult to bring on chain. So there's a lot of really big projects that have grown like Chainlink um, that are, you know, addressing this exact issue. Um, so with Everpedia, we obviously brought all of the historical knowledge on, on chain uh, by making uh, Wikipedia on, on the blockchain, hosting it through peer-to-peer -peer, uh, protocols and basically making the editing of those things um, 
blockchain transactions. Now, what we're seeing is, um, you know, like you guys and, and other people listening are probably seeing with the growth of Chainlink and these Oracle uh, protocols is that the real demand uh, for current data is, uh, is, is things that are going on in the real world so that these complex financial transactions uh, can be executed um, with reputable uh, data, right? And it's exactly like what you're saying. So what if, for example, uh, and, and the Oracle problem is one of the most fundamental problems, right? It's how do you bring real world data on the blockchain? And there's so many different takes on it. And um, Everpedia will have its own take when we actually uh, release some of these uh, some of these products and make it um, a, a huge thing that we've we've uh, we've been thinking of how to address. But the idea is basically, <clears throat> in order to kind of bring this data on chain. Um, there's got to be reputable organizations actually signing uh, the transactions themselves, and then smart contracts can manipulate it however they see, right? Like um, if, for example, the New York Times or the Associated Press or, or you know, other organizations that are very reputable sign and say, you know, so-and-so won the election, um, you can have a smart contract that cross-checks all of these verified oracles, so to speak, and then executes it only if there's a consensus on all of these reputable organizations. Um, right now, that's not really possible, right? Because, um, you know, New York Times, Associated Press, etc., are not signing their transactions on chain. Um, maybe uh, one day, you know, they'll all run Chainlink, Oracle nodes um, is the hope. Um, there's something we're doing at Everpedia that's, I think, going to make it uh, much more uh, successful and, and quicker, we think. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's generally the idea. The idea is we need to bring real-world data on chain so complex financial transactions can happen. Um, how that's going to happen is uh, everyone's working on their own solution. So we're really excited to um, announce something uh, on those lines for forever PDC. Awesome. And we'll definitely be tracking that. So let's move to your new project, FRAX, Fractional Algorithmic Stablecoin Project. In it, at the very onset, you are proposing a two-token, fully autonomous protocol with which transitions a fully collateralized stablecoin, FRAX, to fully algorithmic, moving through a fractional collateral phase. And so the world of stablecoins has taken a very interesting turn this year specifically with the explosion in DeFi and the explosion of things like yield farming or liquidity mining. And all of the movement, the synthetics, the shuffling of assets that were once unproductive to productive, all of the things that are happening out there, it's making this world very interesting. So I want to learn, and I'm sure everyone else will want to learn more about what FRAX is and how you came about it and what the purpose of it is. But also, from what we've been able to see in the past, and I say past in a very generous way because it's only been a few years, there have been a few out there that have tried to do algorithmic protocols, uh, some that have unfortunately not worked. So... Tell us what FRAX is. Tell us kind of you know, kind of the high level of what it is, and we'll talk about your token, the second token, as I mentioned. There's a second token, uh, FRAX shares. Tell us what this is. You know, kind of how this all came about. 
And then tell us, what have you as a team learned, especially with your experience in this space, what have you learned from some of the other algorithmic projects that has helped guide you in building this? Yeah. Um, so in order to kind of set the stage, I think it's kind of important to go uh, a little bit over stablecoin history, right? Stablecoins as a, as a class of cryptocurrencies um, have been kind of talked about since the first, like, production ready stablecoin and tether uh, was released in 2014 ish. Um, the idea is basically Bitcoin super volatile. Um, it's actually not what people uh, do most of their accounting in their taxes and all this stuff. They do it in dollars as the unit of account. Uh, how do we get um, stable tokens that keep about a dollar a token of value or in theory, any, any, any price target, but mainly a dollar. Um, but uh, keep all the benefits of uh, Bitcoin from, you know, decentralized, uncensorable, uh, you know, trustless and, you know, cross-border, you know, global and, and things like that. And the different stablecoin designs uh, have different trust models, right? They have, they preserve different parts of, of, uh, of that ethos, right? And so there's a, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different types. So the most common type right now that's everyone uh, is, is mainly using uh, is fiat back. The idea is like a, a corporation or, or an entity issues one coin um, against the dollar, right? And they hold the dollar in, in a bank account. And then they can always, people can exchange it uh, one coin, one dollar. So why would it ever trade at anything uh, different than a tight band around that? Otherwise, people would just uh, buy it and, and redeem it at exactly a dollar if it's below. Or if people are buying it for more out in the open market, they'll just mint more from the company and then sell it. Um, there's also this idea of fully decentralized stablecoins um, that you know Maker and, and recently uh, Synthetics and, and them have, have had pretty good traction. And, and the idea is if the collateral is on the blockchain, right? If, if the actual backing asset is, um, is on chain, then you don't have to trust that someone holds money off, off chain, uh, you know, fiat money. Uh, that could be seized, right? Uh, they could go out of business. They could do whatever they want. The blockchain can't audit that. Um, if the idea is everything is on the blockchain, uh, then then it preserves most of the value and and uh, trust model of, of Bitcoin. That's good, and I think that's actually uh, an improvement. Um, but there's also this this issue of you know collateral based stablecoins are capital inefficient, right? In order to mint one dollar of it, you have to uh, on-chain lock up at least a dollar or usually even more if the cryptocurrency is volatile, right? And so you lock up uh, over a dollar to kind of generate this debt-based uh, stablecoin that uh, you have to pay back in order to unlock your collateral. Um, the third idea kind of is, uh, is algorithmic stablecoins, which is kind of this middle ground where Frax lives and and uh, between collateralized on-chain and, and algorithmic. But there's this third idea that's uh, fully algorithmic stablecoins that basically says, uh, what if you just issue a token with absolutely no backing of anything, right? The same way that the dollar, you, don't, you can't exchange it for gold or, or anything like that. And the market will start trading this unbacked token the same way it'll start trading uh, Bitcoin or something like that, right? And there'll be a price. It'll be like a dollar or $2 or whatever. And if the price is above a dollar, which is like the target price, then the system needs to 
um, print more of the stablecoin so that the price goes back down to a dollar. It can just print more of the token and distribute it out to however it wants to. It can distribute it out to uh, share token holders of the system if there's like a share token, like a stock dividend or something, right? Um, if the price is below $1, then it needs to retract the supply, right? It, it, there's too much uh, of these tokens in the market than there is demand. So people are trading at a lower the desired price of the protocol. The, the amount needs to retract, right? And uh, it does that by either printing, you know, these share tokens or or something of value that the protocol can uh, auction off and retract the supply to meet the target. That's the general idea of algorithmic stablecoins. Now, what's interesting is, uh, and I actually wanted to ask you this, is what's interesting is there are no algorithmic designs uh, that have taken off that have been successful. And by successful, I mean, there's been no algorithmic stablecoin that's been both proposed, published a white paper, released in production, and that has stayed actually stable uh, closely at a dollar. Um, not that I know of, and I'm pretty sure, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, some, you know, some, uh, you know, of, of them have been launched and defunct or in basis, this case never even launched. But exactly. that's one of the interesting things is they've never been launched. And that was the starting uh, observation uh, when we started FRAX. And so that's actually interesting. So I, I kind of wanted to ask you, why do you think uh, that's the case? Because that's actually one of our first observations when we started FRAX. That's a very good question. As you and I both know, and those that are listening, there have been others out there that are, they do not consider themselves stable coins. They have a mission to have some sort of level of stability and nav to that $1 kind of peg. However, you have seen them being used in this new world of DeFi in the collateralization of the CDPs and other type of kind of contracts out there. And that messes with their supply. They get locked up um, because some of these obviously have locking periods. And so I think as a instrument in this new world of locking, of CDPs, of collateralization, that the supply is typically what gets, I guess, deteriorated or messed up. I know that's not a technical term. But it seems that there is a supply issue. So in one of the cases, I won't name the name, but you obviously saw the price go from $1 to $3 and then down to around 70 cents. That is not something that obviously is the mission statement of that specific project. Um, but again, that is you know because what we saw, I think, as an industry is that specific asset was being used very heavily in this new world of DeFi. And so... I think that might be one of the reasons why uh, you're seeing that, but I'm curious, what is your answer to the question? Yeah, so I, I guess we're, we know exactly what uh, token we're talking about, and, and um, I guess we're playing the don't say that token name game. But um, yeah, so uh, I have my own opinions about that, the elastic supply uh, stuff with a single token. I don't think it works. Um, I don't think it actually makes economic sense, but hey, um, you don't have to take my opinion on it. You can just look at the price history of it. And basically it's actually funny The any elastic token, uh, it's like secretly there's an undertone that's supposed to be a stable coin. But if you actually bring up that they're, they're uh, not stable at all, the first thing they all say is, 
well, it's not meant to be a stable coin. It's, it's, uh, it's supposed to be elastic. And mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but in any case, um, we think that, so with Frax, the whole idea is that um, we think that in order to really launch a algorithmic stable coin, it can't be fully uh, unbacked um, and fully algorithmic on day one. In fact, the most successful way to, to launch these things is, in our opinion, is to gauge the market's uh, sentiment about how much of the actual stablecoin should be stabilized algorithmically and how much of it should be backed. And so that's kind of what we mean when we say uh, Frax is fractional algorithmic in the sense that um, we use uh, stablecoins and, and high yield DeFi assets like, you know, YCRV and stuff that stay around dollar but pay interest as collateral on day one, but it's 100% uh, back. So, so Frax on day one, when we hopefully launch in October, is fully 100% uh, back. To mint one Frax, you have to put in a dollar worth of, of collateral and you'll get uh, back one Frax. And you can always redeem it immediately. You can just go back to the contract and put in the one Frax and get back a dollar worth of uh, crypto collateral. And the idea is, is that at the beginning, there should be no reason why that thing shouldn't trade super tight band around uh, one, right? Just like Tether or USDC mm -hmm. and stuff. As people uh, start using it, right, in DeFi and, and there's demand for, for Frax and, you know, we're going to have liquidity programs and, and all these things, um, there will be expansions, right? The idea is that there will be demand. And that's when the protocol actually uh, lowers the collateral ratio by, by one step, which is like half a percent. I mean, it's just programmatic as part of the smart contract. And so it'll go, for example, to like 100% to like 99 and a half or something. And so at that point, um, in order to um, mint one frax, you basically put in um, only 99.5% collateral and then the last uh, half a cent of value the system buys back the frac shares, basically, right? It buy, it's like a stock buyback if you, you know, of, of uh, signage, right? Mm -hmm. And then you you get back, um, then you get the stable coin that's only back 99.5%. Now, there's a bunch of stuff that can happen, right? Um, now you have stable coins that are not 100% back. The market could either be like, okay, um, it's only half a percent. Um, we think that this algorithmic protocol can probably stabilize half a percent of the market cap algorithmically, right? There's no backing on that, but it can, you know, adjust the supply. Uh, Olvini suggested a little bit, right? Half a, per, half a percent of the circulating supply. Um, or the market could uh, think that that's not possible and trade it at a discount at exactly the backing of the collateral, right? 99.5%, like 99 and a half cents. Um, those are the two things that could happen, right? So the first thing is if the market does have confidence in that much being, um, algorithmic, then the next expansion, the, the, uh, the collateral ratio goes even lower. It's like 99% to 98 and a half, 98 and, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And the whole point is you want to test the market's confidence in how much of a stable coin can really be algorithmically, uh, stabilized. When, uh, to keep the price at, at a dollar. You don't want to launch a stable coin uh, at fully algorithmic and be like, okay, I hope it stays at a dollar. And then, you know, you, you, we know what we're talking about, right? right. <laughs> the price goes like this. And then it's right. like, okay, well, it's not really a stable coin and blah, blah, blah. The whole point is you want to know the market's view, right? The, the market, like, you know, like uh, I'm a fairly, you know, big libertarian minded free market 
uh, person, right? The whole point is if the market values it at a dollar, right? And it's only, for example, 90% backed by collateral. What does that have to mean, right? That has to mean that uh, this public transparent uh, stablecoin protocol, the market has confidence that 10% of it can be algorithmically mm-hmm. uh, stabilized, right? Otherwise they would trade it at 90 cents, right? But right. you can see how much collateral is in there. Um, so that's what the FRAX protocol, that's what we call fractional algorithmic is the system of actually testing how much algorithmic uh, supply can be stabilized, what's, what's the market's view of it, and how much needs to be collateralized. And I think it's interesting that no one's really attempted that. Um, and I think that hopefully that idea will catch on. People have thought it's uh, very clever and, and a lot of people are really interested in, you know, it's kind of like a big experiment, right? It's like a, it's like a science experiment. And so the, the whole goal is, um, maybe we can slowly actually, if this keeps getting bigger and it's a multi-billion dollar, uh, circulating supply stablecoin, um, one day, uh, however long that will take, depends on the market, it can be fully algorithmic or maybe it can, you know, the market never has more confidence than 50, 50, right? There always right. has to be half. And so the idea is we'll, we'll test it, right? We'll test what the, the market's view of it is. And it's really cool that, that, uh, we can do that using on-chain smart contracts. So we're really excited to, to launch this. So before we talk about the Frax share token, which is kind of your native token that also assists with governance and also gives the investor, the participant kind of, uh, access to the network that you're building. Um, I have a question on that. So I think this is really smart. So the idea is that you don't come right out of the bat going algorithmic. We've learned that that has not worked out very well for some other participants in the network. And so the idea of effectively at one point that the market says, okay, we believe this thing, it can be fully algorithmic, but for those that have provided the collateral, what happens to all of the collateral if it goes fully algorithmic in, say, five years? What happens to it? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. Um, so what the FRAX shares token are, and I, I know you said we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's part of the answer to this, is that um, the FRAX share token is essentially the governance token and the value accrual token. So any, any value... Um, that accrues. So any delta change, right? Well, it could be actually negative, right? The price of frac shares could go down or up. Um, goes to frac shares, uh, that that token distribution. The the whole point of fracs, the stablecoin, is it stays at a dollar. So um, the actual collateral wallets in the contract, and it's it's required to you know back the the stablecoin. Um, we're actually hoping to earn the the protocol, not us, but the whole protocol is hoping to earn uh, interest and, and value accrual um, by using collateral like uh, YCRV and, and things like that um, that are, you know, basically yield bearing instruments. Um, the, the value that comes in that doesn't actually need to be backed, uh, that doesn't need to stay to back racks goes directly to fracture, right? It's a, it's almost like um, holding like shares in the federal reserve or something. And then like, you know, if, if the Fed's balance sheet is uh, more than they need to actually, um, you know, retract the supply of, of currency, or if it's more like if you uh, hold like bonds or, or debt of the Fed, they'll they'll pay you back, right? And so the protocol, you know, basically pays back frac shareholders by buying back uh, frac shares with un unneeded or basically um, 
collateral that's either accruing interest or isn't needed anymore, right? Because it doesn't need to back the stable coin. So it goes directly, the short answer is it goes uh, directly to the governance token uh, distribution. So basically the, the frac shares. Got it. And so as we mentioned, you know, the frac share token, the FEX one is in similar vein to what some others may be thinking of in terms of compound comp and balancers bow, correct? Yeah, I mean those are those are governance tokens for liquidity pools, but this is a, this is a governance token for a stablecoin system. I like to call it, uh, you know, draw the similarity to uh, Maker as the MKR token because actually um, part of the fees and stuff in the Maker protocol uh, goes to burning uh, MKR tokens, right? That, right? That's how it's supposed to uh, appreciate. This is the same thing, except um, you know, Frax is not you know a leverage product like I was saying, like people don't pay like interest to keep like mm -hmm. a lateralized debt position or a vault or something open. Um, they actually, uh, the, the only thing the, the collateral is in there is to back, uh, to have it be redeemable against right. the stable coin. So um, when, when that's not needed, it just buys back uh, frac shares the same way uh, Maker, you know, buys back and burns. MKR, just the mechanics is different. So one question on governance, and then I want to just go back to DeFi and everything that's happening there and how um, Fracture tokens may fall into that world. But before we get into that, the governance side, we've seen in some of these tokens that have come out that some very large investors get very big positions in the governance token. And so when there are governance calls and when there are changes to the, the chains or improvements, et cetera, et cetera, they have a bit of a louder voice. And so I'm curious your thoughts on that as it relates to what you're building. Yeah, so that's a great question because I've been, you know, I'm, I'm like really dug deep into the DeFi space and people think crypto goes fast, but DeFi goes even faster, right? Every week there's a, a new, you know, sushi swap this week, you know, a few weeks ago, Wi-Fi launched and it's already almost at a, uh, a billion, I, I believe, market cap. It's, it's getting very close. And I've been looking at the distribution of these tokens. And one of the things we really think is in order for there to really be buy-in into this idea and this protocol and stuff, most of the tokens, most of the frac share tokens has to go to the community. And so we're going to have a very, very large uh, liquidity uh, incentive program, minting, uh, Frax minting program, and, and all of it hasn't been finalized yet. But the idea is um, we're going to be more similar to Wi-Fi than these ICO type of thing. Like we're not having a public sale. We're not having an ICO. We're not trying to, you know, bring like Andreessen Horowitz or big VCs or anything exactly uh, the thing you were saying is I'm trying to make sure to really avoid that and be... Um, in the in the DeFi uh, vision of uh, of Wi-Fi and, and I actually really respect Andre uh, who you know basically made uh, Wire earn you know what it is in such a short amount of time. I take a lot of uh, inspiration from that. So the goal is to give most of the frac shares out uh, to the community that's minting fracs, using fracs, providing liquidity to the system on Uniswap Balancer. I don't know sushi swap at this rate. I, I don't even know what's <laughs> actually um, going to be the the, the we'll, leading. We'll see in a few days. I know, right? That the migration data is going to be crazy. But um, yeah, so so the whole idea is, and and here's the thing. Like I think this is actually really cool. Um, the thing is, all of the Frax code is open source. 
everything, right? The idea is open source. I mean, you can't even, can't, the idea is obviously like you share it and stuff, right? If, if we basically, you know, give away these tokens to institutions and, and things like that, I would actually just encourage someone or an Anon team or whoever, Andre, I don't know, right? Whoever's really good developer and stuff to just fork it and, and literally just have a more, uh, you know, community wide distribution as it should be right. Mm -hmm. in the ethos of crypto. Um, I, I would actually encourage that if, if we do something like that, which we won't, right. The whole idea is, um, we want the market. That's the whole point of this, the whole fracks idea too. We want the market to, to respond. And so we think, um, yes, the team will keep a small amount of the tokens because I think that, you know, having core people like myself, who's extremely passionate about the project, uh, have some kind of upside is important. Um, if the market disagrees, I mean, I guess they could, they could work it. Um, but, uh, and, but, but the thing is, we want to give most of it away so that people do feel like this is their, that this is a completely open protocol and like, mm -hmm. you no, know, like a random VC doesn't have 15% of the supply right. and they're just going to slowly try to like exit the market and, and like dump it or something across like whatever the vesting period is or something like that. Right. So as we're wrapping, um, I want people to obviously we'll have a link to the white paper, which I thought is very nicely written. It's uh, not that convoluted and it gets to the point. Um, where can, aside from the white paper, you mentioned, I believe, a launch around October. Where can people learn and follow this uh, as you guys are getting closer to launch? Yeah, so we're hoping to launch um, latest by end of October. Uh, obviously, we want to get audits and, and avoid any kind of yam type uh, situations. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, um, Telegram, uh, it's Frax Finance. Um, same username, like same uh, handles. Frax Finance is the website. I'm always on Twitter at Sam Casmi. I'm very uh, engaged and and uh, love to you know discuss and on a telegram it's a very and it's a very uh you know DeFi centric all the code is open source feel free to check uh, uh on github or, or help us out on the open source development it's a super you know there's no marketing there's no you know there's no like maybe some people say we, we don't do it enough maybe we, we we might before the launch sometime in, in october or something like that but it's a very very just uh cypherpunk defi uh DeFi centric uh project right everything is open um telegram twitter that's the best place got it this was sam casmian from everpedia to his new project frax which sounds incredibly interesting I encourage people to check it out and do your research on it sam hopefully we can have you back on towards the end of october or november and uh can see how things are going with frax and uh we'll be catching up with you again take care thanks so much david Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. 
you won't be disappointed. <laughs>